That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast. A production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. B-B-F-F-T. From the Pac West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Canzano with the bald-faced truth. I haven't had a chance to talk about the Pac-2 or Pac-12, whatever we want to call Oregon State and Washington State, essentially getting a major victory in the settlement that they uh, came to an agreement with with the departing 10 schools. I've been off on vacation since that settlement happened. $190 million in future assets. NCAA tournament unit revenue, college football playoff payouts, Rose Bowl equivalency funds, $190 million there, plus another $65 million the 10 departing schools are going to pay to Oregon State and Washington State in the next two years. $6.5 million per school. So $255 million. Oregon State and Washington State will be able to live off and potentially rebuild the Pac-12 conference. I think they'll wait and see what happens with football. But um, I, I think Oregon State Washington State probably were anxious right around Thanksgiving, feeling better right around Christmas. Also feeling better at Oregon State in basketball. Wayne Tinkle and the Beavers, a uh, convincing win on Saturday at home against USC and probably should have beat UCLA on Thursday. Had them at halftime, let it get away, but a good week nonetheless last week for Oregon State men's basketball. Beavers are 9-4. and four. Here to talk about it, Wayne Tinkle, Oregon State men's basketball coach. How you doing? Doing great. Happy New Year, buddy. It's good to be now, with you. Do you have a New Year's resolution? Are you a resolution guy? Uh, you know, at this stage... Uh, you know, you, you make so many and you probably fail on three quarters of them or more. But uh, I did just say, I just, you know, it's always language around our guys and, you know, treating, treating, always can treat your wife a little bit better, right? Have a little more yeah. compassion, especially, especially during the season when we kind of shut down to the rest of the world. So there you go. All right. I'm going to throw something at you and maybe you can use this with your team. My, my wife did this and it's, it's, it's been contagious in our extended family. She said that she wanted everybody to pick a word for the year, one word. And it really really makes you think about what you need to do better, what you need to, you know, what what's important to you and and so her word is simplify. My word is folk, my word is focus. Does Wayne Tinkle have a word for 2024 or do you want to wait and think about it? No, that's that's great because you know a lot of times coaching staffs will talk about that going into a season. And I you know I, I think back to truth, trust, family. Uh, you know, with with this group, um, we've really really stressed here of late, especially selfless. 
Um, so if I'm thinking with our team, selfless, uh, me as an individual, uh, gosh, simplifies a good one. She hit it on the head there because there's so much stuff going on that we can create a lot of our own mess by letting our minds become boggled down. And if you just keep things like one of the coaches I first worked for always used the kiss term for keep it yeah. simple, stupid. <laughs> and, and, uh, so if it, in lieu of, um, in light of maybe plagiarizing, uh, it simplifies it. No, one. take it, take it. I, I don't think that's original yeah. anyway. Hey, so last week you get the split. You, you had a big, you had a lead on UCLA at half. Didn't work out on Thursday. You guys came back on Saturday, beat USC. How'd you feel about the week? Yeah, really, really proud of the way we we responded Saturday. Uh, you know, we knew UCLA was coming in a little bit of a wounded animal. Hadn't lost four in a row. Um, you know, I'm sure Mick spent uh, you know time getting after him uh, when they got back after break. We thought they would come out to start the game like they did the second half, but uh, our guys kind of stood toe to toe and set the tone early. Um, I, I really felt like we let a couple of things slip away at the end of the first half. We were up nine and then only went into the break up four. Um, and then I just think a little bit of panic set in the second half. But um, the way they bounced back and approached film and practiced on Friday, uh, again, now you've got what I think is one of the more talented teams in USC coming in after a loss down south the night before. Um, we jumped them. You know, we got off to a great start. We kind of put the pedal to the metal and, and didn't let up, but maybe one or two times in the second half. Said a lot about the growth of this team, the resiliency. Um, that I, I, you know, people made fun of us squeaking out some games against teams that, on paper, we we were supposed to bury maybe uh, in the non-league. But I think it really helped us develop some resiliency, uh, a little level of relentlessness that I think we saw Saturday, and hopefully we'll continue to see moving forward. You know, it's the same criticism that people made about the Washington football team. Like, you know, they were, you know, people said they were playing down to the level of their competition, but they were finding ways to win those games. And I kind of think that helped them last night as they found themselves late against Texas in a one-score game. They've been there all year long in one-score games. Um, what right. do you like? What do you like right now about your team? You know, you're always trying to get you ready to play your best basketball at the end of the year. But what do you like right now? What I like is that we've had a pretty good balance of inside and out play. Now, our bigs have been a little bit inconsistent, but there have been threats where, you know, last year we maybe didn't have what we needed, especially when Shoal went down in early December, uh, and we were pretty guard-oriented, even though Retai and Bilodeau had solid years for us. I think across the board we have more balance now, and if you want to try to pressure us out on the perimeter – we can throw it into a Beckway, Shoal, Bilodeau, Retai. Uh, you know, you, you try to double-team them. They've become good passers. We're shooting it well the last five games. We started it out. I mean, we were shooting, I think, 26%, 27% from three after the first five or six games. But our guards have really trusted throwing it in. We, we've been pressing that from day one. We've got to have balance. You've got to throw it in there. You know, whether they're producing right now, we'll need it over the long haul. So the confidence of having that threat inside has taken some of the pressure off on the perimeter. We're executing offense better now, at least for longer stretches. Uh, and, and as a result, the last five games, we're shooting, I think, 42% from three. Um, our turnovers went down until the other night. We were throwing it all over the gym against USC, but they kind of forced that. Um, but our, our numbers on the glass, all of them have improved uh, since these guys have really bought into 
playing inside out and 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 you know really have enjoying that balance and and appreciating what it means to our chances to have success. We're talking to Wayne Tinkle, Oregon State men's basketball coach. Uh, you know, you you'll play at Washington State in Washington on that on that road uh, trip uh, this week. I think everybody expected Jordan Pope to play well. You're getting you know got 20 out of him on on Saturday against USC, but it's some of the other guys that we haven't heard a lot about. Can you tell us more about Dexter Acano and and some of the other contributors? For sure, Dexter. You know, he's he's in his third year with us, and I want to say he fought us, but he wanted to kind of do things his way. Uh, you know, so many of these workout guys now want you to, you know, isolation ball in the summertime, and you want to show your wares. But you get to our level, I, I mean, it's a team game here, and, um, you know, it's not quick decision, 24-second shot clock, NBA. And quite frankly, none of our guys, if they make it to the NBA, are going to be guys that they're isolating against LeBron not out of the wing. But he's really, Dexter's really bought into the team concept. And as a result, he's so much more efficient. He had 18 points against USC on eight shots. That's pretty dang efficient. Uh, he's been a real vocal leader with Jordan Pope and some of those young guards, Josiah Lake, Christian Wright. Um, he's, been, he's been an everyday guy. But just his maturation of understanding team concept that getting the ball out of your hands as a scorer isn't always bad. You learn how to score without the ball in your hands, cutting, screening, that sort of thing, spacing. Um, it, it's just I think he's grown by leaps and bounds with his leadership. He's really bought into uh, what it's going to take for us to have success. Because Remember, Dexter's first year was that horrendous year two years ago when, when we just coming out of COVID – I think the success we had the year before, bringing in new guys, there was a clash. Uh, and I did a horrible job of squashing that and getting those guys to play together. First time in, in all my years, we didn't get a team to do that. And so I think some of the residue from that, now the next year Dexter's thrown in a leadership position with a bunch of young guys. Now he's come out on the other end where he's starting to see the light. And as a result, boy, his, his efficiency has gone way up. His percentages from three, his decision-making, turnovers are going down. Uh, and, and I'm really proud of him for that. And I think some of the other guys like Pope, Pope's gone through some things early this year where maybe he showed some immaturity, throwing his hands in the air, maybe when a teammate didn't catch a pass or complaining to the refs when he wasn't getting calls. And we had to remind him, man, you're, you're not a fourth-year, you know, three-time all-big – or, oh, I'm sorry, all-Pac-12 guy and just keep playing. And I think he's shown some maturity here the last couple of weeks as well. Josiah Lake, um, you know, we knew this kid had a heart. We knew that he would not be afraid to play at this level. And he's been a real solid punch for us off the bench. Uh, just makes hustle plays. Plays the right way, you know, JC. He just he plays for the name on the front of our chest. Doesn't care what, what it takes. He just wants the Beavers to win. And, and that's starting to spread now, and, and it's a process you and I talked, I think, the beginning of last year about, hey, we're committing to a young group. We're going to get it back. When we when we have our kind of guys across the board, we've proved, proven that we can win and have success. It's going to take a little time. And I think, you know, we're still got a ways to go. You know, we're, after the split, we feel good, but we, we can play better. Um, but we sure love the direction that we're headed and, and the guys that we're doing it with. Yeah, you can kind of feel that the culture issue you had two years ago has shifted and I'm curious like how intentional did you have to be about messaging and frankly about saying 
we're going to get in the portal and we're going to recruit kids and recruit kids outside of the portal, even for the freshmen that you brought in. Uh, we're going to recruit kids that fit a, a certain culture because I think, you know, the pandemic, you were recruiting on Zoom and, you know, you, yeah. you, you can't really, you don't get a feel for a kid through Zoom. No, you're exactly right. And, and you know, you also, you add to the dynamics of bringing back a group from that Elite Eight run that were, were a piece of it, but weren't the instrumental pieces. And then all these new guys that are excited about the hype and you've got a power struggle that, you know, we just, we, we couldn't wrap our hands around. And, and so after that, we're like, okay, we've got to get back. And, and we were forced to remember three kids left our team after that elite eight run, they went in the portal. They wanted to go down uh, to a little lower level and have a bigger role. And, and we couldn't recruit on or off campus. So we were stuck a little bit, but we, we just, you know, we couldn't bring that group together. Uh, we all know it was horrendous. The neat thing was, you know, I went to Scott Barnes, went to our administration, and said, "We're gonna, we're gonna get go to the high school kids. We're gonna get the kind of guys that understand what it's like to play for Oregon State, putting the team first, uh, get you know any, any of these individual things." And, and and now, listen, NIL starting to become rampant. So, you know, well, let's get back to what you know we know works here at Oregon State and fits our style. And and we knew last year was going to be a challenge, but we knew it was also going to be evident that we were getting our culture back our you know our fan base was excited about this young group and then we were able to keep them heading in with all the temptation out there to transfer go play somewhere for more money we were able to keep the core group together add to it um, and I think we're starting to see some of the rewards even though we still have a ways to go Wayne Tinkle with us Oregon State men's basketball coach Beavers this week on the road they'll be at Washington State on Thursday and at Washington on Saturday what do you see in those two programs as you scout ahead? Well, Washington State, Kyle's done a great job, you know, and he, he lost some players. Um, he was able to kind of dip in the portal, get some more mature kids. He's got a couple of young studs. Uh, nice methodical style. They run their stuff. They don't beat themselves very often. And then his schedule, you know, he and I talked about a month ago. They, they started off with eight of their first nine or nine of their first ten were, were virtually home games. I think he had one neutral site game against Santa Clara. So he was able to really build some chemistry and some confidence with that schedule. Um, but they were tested. You know, they went on the road and uh, played Utah tough for about 34, 35 minutes. Uh, went to Colorado. Even though Colorado was beat up, they had uh, the Silva was out and Williams, their stud freshman, uh, played, played them close. Uh, so I know they're, you know, they're a little bit wounded coming home. Um, they, they, they've, like I said, have confidence playing in Pullman. Um, so we, we, we expect them to, to be confident. But, um, you know, our guys after the, the USC performance, uh, obviously, um, you know, have a good feeling in their tummies. But, you know, one thing we haven't been able to do uh, the last year and, and then, you know, the few games we played on the road early uh, is, is play the way we have at home out on the road. And so we've already talked to our team about, okay, this is the next step. Uh, in our progress here is playing the way we do here at Gill and taking that kind of confidence out on the road. And so uh, I'm looking forward to the test. But um, Washington State's going to be tough. Students aren't in yet, but they've been drawn fairly well. Uh, and then Washington, again, they they had a nice non-league, they had some success. I think their net ranking was up there before this, this past road trip. But they've got a very, very talented team. Mike's done a nice job of getting them – to play a little more together than years past. So challenging first road trip for us, but 
uh, I'm excited to see how far we've come. And, um, you know, no matter what happens, we're just going to stay, you know, the task at hand and keep grinding, knowing that we're building towards March. I actually think the way, you know, people are knocking the conference saying, oh, this is a down year or whatnot. But I actually think the way that this season is going benefits a program like yours that, you know, is com- ready to compete and has guys that will just play hard. What do you see across the conference? Because everyone was saying, hey, it's Arizona and then a big gap, and then here comes Stanford beating Arizona. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's nutty. It's just it's a testament to the non-league. All of our schedules are so different in the non-league. And so everybody wants to try to say, all right, this is the team, that's the team. And then you get into league, boy, you better be careful. And, and you just hit it on the head, you know. Uh, I, I looked at Arizona. I watched the Arizona-Cal game where they played about as good a half as I've seen this year, uh, up 30 at halftime. And, and then I think they gave up dang near 60 to Cal in the second half. You know, then, then they go and, and get beat at Stanford – who gave away a game two nights earlier uh, against Arizona State late. I don't think they – Arizona State didn't lead until uh, – uh, at all until under a minute to go. Um, it just – I think there's a lot of talent. Uh, people have different philosophies. You see teams that reload through the portal every year and have success. Um, you see teams that are trying to build continuity. Um, but anything can happen when that ball goes in the air. And there's so much talent across the board and across the country. That's why – you see mid-majors beating high-majors, um, you know, and, and now every, they're, they're not a lot of secrets now. You get into conference play, everybody scouts the heck out of each other, um, finds weaknesses, exploits them. And, and so I think you're going to see this, um, you know, all the way until March. I, obviously, Arizona uh, had a lot of people excited. Now you got to see how they respond. you got some other teams that are licking their wounds. You're going to see how they respond. That's really what it's all about. Then people try to figure it out by – mid-February and build momentum heading into March. Dwayne Tinkle with us. All right, finally, before I cut you loose, uh, you got some clarity on where you're going to play next season. And uh, for basketball, this will be Pac-12 this year. You'll see some WCC opponents next year. How, how did that go over with your roster? How do you feel about that? Yeah, I feel, I feel great. Um, Scott came to me several weeks ago and asked my opinion. Um, I, I think – uh, as far as men's basketball goes, it, it's a horse piece. You know, you join the Mountain West for a couple of years. Uh, you, you've got Boise, Utah State, San Diego State, Colorado State. Uh, you know, the WCC, obviously Gonzaga, St. Mary, San Francisco, and Santa Clara have been really good of late. Um, and, and you had us in Washington State. I think either conference would have been strengthened by that. I like the travel uh, in the West Coast Conference. Uh, I think that's going to be a lot more economical number one and and less draining uh for the teams that are are traveling within that conference um and then we'll see you know everybody knows that it's a temporary deal that's going to be real interesting in a couple of years john when some of the grant of rights are up in some other conferences and um as, as us in washington state join hands to try to rebuild to see what direction uh, that goes and I, and I also a lot of us are talking that and, and we're already hearing you know rumblings that some schools that are leaving the Pac-12 aren't happy, and we'll see if, if maybe in two years out um, there aren't some looking to come back with us. Wayne Tinkle, I appreciate you. Keep it going this week. Washington State on Thursday, Washington on Saturday. Good luck to you, Coach. Thanks for joining us. Great to be with you. Yeah, all the best. Thanks. There he is. Happy New Year. He's going to simplify as well. Anna's words simplify. Stephen, do you have a word for 2024? Um. 
I do like simplify. I was thinking for me, I was thinking discipline for me. Uh, when it comes to gambling, I need to be more disciplined. So. Okay, okay, <laughs> like that. I said focus, and I didn't get a lot of positive feedback. I didn't get negative feedback, but I didn't get like a lot of, hey, yeah, that's great, because I think Anna already thinks I'm focused. Like, maybe I need to relax. Maybe my, do, my word I, needs to be relaxed. I'll, yeah, I'll say that. I, I would say you come across as very focused. Like, that's if I was just a random person, I would say, oh, yeah, he's a focused guy. So, so maybe I'm just saying that's what I've always done. I'm going to do it again. Make sure you can succeed. Uh, yeah, you, you know, you want to keep your resolution good. I am on a little bit of a kick where I've been working out more. I've been eating better. I'm starting to get svelte. So maybe my words should be svelte. Mm, I like that. That's a good word. All right, leave it here. We got Punch It Audio coming up. Plus, Dana Altman, Oregon basketball coach, joins us in the 5 o'clock hour. Did you catch what Wayne Tinkle said about other teams in the Pac-12 conference? Other basketball coaches, other programs in the conference not being happy about the moves that they are making into the Big 12 and into the Big 10. Uh, Listen to this. I asked Wayne Tinkle, Oregon State uh, men's basketball coach, about Oregon State's move in 2024 and 2025 in basketball and a lot of the non-revenue generating sports, uh, women's basketball and others, they will be playing as part of the WCC. Here's what Tinkle had to say. Yeah, I feel I feel great. Um, Scott came to me several weeks ago and asked my opinion. Uh, I, I think uh, as far as men's basketball goes, it, it's a horse piece. You know, you join the Mountain West for a couple of years. Uh, you, you've got Boise, Utah State, San Diego State, Colorado State. Uh, you know, the WCC, obviously Gonzaga, St. Mary, San Francisco, and Santa Clara have been really good of late. Um, and, and you had us in Washington State. I think either conference would have been strengthened by that. I like the travel uh, in the West Coast Conference. Uh, I think that's going to be a lot more economical, number one, and, and less draining uh, for the teams that are, are traveling within that conference. Um, and then we'll see. You know, everybody knows that it's a temporary deal. That's going to be real interesting in a couple of years, John, when some of the grant of rights are up in some other conferences and um, as, as us in Washington State join hands to try to rebuild to see what direction um, that goes. And I, and I also, a lot of us are talking that, and we're already hearing, you know, rumblings that some schools that are leaving the Pac-12 aren't happy, and we'll see if, if maybe in two years out um, there aren't some looking to come back with us. And I think that's why Oregon State and Washington State are going to move very deliberately and slowly on the rebuild. Now, they've got uh, you know, more than two years on the ticking clock that says, hey, you have this grace period to rebuild the conference. And I think, you know, originally I was looking at like the summer of 2024, this next summer. Like, could we see San Diego State declare on June 30th of 2024 that they intend to join the Pac-12 conference in 2025, like a year later? Could you see that announcement? Maybe you still might. But I'm now looking at it and going, gosh, if I'm Oregon State and Washington State, you now have had time for the departing members to run some numbers. They're all looking at, hey, we didn't quite get what we thought we were going to get from a media rights standpoint. You know, in the ACC, Stanford and Cal. In the Big 12 Conference, Arizona, Utah, Colorado, certainly uh, departing. And you've got the Big Ten members that are that are uh, leaving, obviously the four schools, the two L.A. schools in Oregon and Washington. 
Like, I do think there's going to be some buyer's remorse and probably already is some buyer's remorse because some of the schools are going like Arizona is in a financial mess that cannot be undone. And Robert Robbins, the president there, has had to answer a lot of questions about his budget, what is happening. And oh, by the way, you got to pay six and a half million dollars to Oregon State, Washington State. And oh, by the way, you're getting less money than you received in the Pac-12 to go to the Big 12. Um, Stanford and Cal taking pennies on the dollar, Cal in particular, that can't look and feel good to Cal to have to go all the way across the country or play games in Dallas, Texas. It's just not how it intended. And I think Chip Kelly's you know, whole plan where he said, splinter away football, it's very easy, here's how I do it. I think if that gets any more traction, I do think you will, you could potentially see the non-revenue generating sports in men's basketball in, in, included coming back to the Pac-12 footprint and saying, okay, we're just going to play football in those other conferences or we're going to play football as the group of 64 and everybody else is going to go back to playing regional games. There's a tremendous strain that is put upon your finances when it comes to travel and there's a tremendous burden that is put on your athletes as it pertains to their well-being as they are traipsing around the country, taking those extra days, extra hours, longer flights. It's not football where you're going to play Rutgers on a Saturday and then you won't do that again for three more years. This is like you're going to play Rutgers, then you're going to play Michigan State, then you're going to play Michigan, then you're going to play, you know, depending on what conference is in, Stanford and Cal playing this ACC schedule. I just think at some point Tinkle's right, and I've already I've heard the rumblings too. And mainly, for me, it's come from the women's basketball coaches and the other sports, like baseball and softball and track and field and gymnastics, and the and the coaches and athletes are going, you know, soccer. This doesn't make any sense. You know, we don't want to we don't want to have to go play games over on that side of the country. Clearly, the decisions that were made by Oregon, Washington, UCLA, USC, Arizona, Colorado, Stanford, Cal, they were all decisions that were made with only two things in mind. One, football. Two, money. That's it. Nothing else mattered. It was football and money. And so now you have all these other coaches and people who are caught in the gears of this thing who are definitely going to go, you know what, I'm having second thoughts about this. I don't know this is a great idea. It's affecting our recruiting. And I talked to a recruit that is headed to Oregon State on a uh, Olympic sports scholarship, okay? So non-revenue generating sport, scholarship athlete, talk to her parents about why she stayed committed to Oregon State because they were waiting. They were waiting to see where's Oregon State going to play. Okay, they're going to play in the WCC. And I'll just say, it was a soccer player on the women's side, scholarship athlete heading to Oregon State, and I know the parents, and I talked to the parents, and I said, okay, why is it that, you know, what are you thinking about? Like, what's important to you? And the answer came back very simply, one sentence. We want to see our kid play. That's it. It didn't have to do with, we want to see our kid play in the Big Ten. We want to see our kid play, uh, you know, all these ranked teams on, on other parts of the country. Uh, we, we, we want to see our kid in the national championship game. We want NIL money. None of that came up. It was simply... We want to see our kid play. And I think that's very interesting. I think there's a lot of athletes and parents who are sitting around going, we just want to see our kid play. 
We just want to, our kids going to play college sports. We want to see our kid participate and play. And I don't think that other stuff matters as much uh, in those other sports as it does in football. Because football players, if you think about it, they're different. The sport's not only different, the athletes are different. What comes up very early in every high-profile four-star, five-star recruits recruitment? You know, what, what kinds of things? What are the questions being asked? It's what? You know, what kind of NIL money can I expect? Can we talk to your collective? That comes up high. Coaches at Oregon, Oregon State, Stanford, Cal, USC, Arizona, Utah. I've talked to them all. That comes up high in the conversation, okay? Where's, you know, what kind of NIL deal can I expect? And it's probably asked in a more polite way, but it comes up. Second thing is it's playing time. Third thing, it's, you know, will we play for, who are we going to play? Are we going to be able to play the best teams of the country? Do we have a shot to make the playoff? That stuff matters to football players. It doesn't matter as much to basketball players. It doesn't matter as much to soccer players and gymnasts and baseball players. Of course, you know, baseball players want to play for a national championship, but as long as they have access to a regional, as long as they have the ability to play games in the the part of the country where their family can see them or maybe they grew up, I think, you know, they're not thinking like football players. And so I I do think there's a buyer's remorse right now. And for people who are wondering what Oregon State's going to do in baseball, I think they're going to end up playing as an independent ultimately. Like, Washington State can't do that. It's probably off to the Mountain West or the WCC for Washington State. But Oregon State could do it. Oregon State could play as an independent. They could put together a schedule. They could play Pepperdine. They could play Fresno State. They could play uh, you know, Oregon and Washington and UCLA and Arizona and Arizona State and Stanford and Cal. They will pick Oregon State up because why? Because it helps their strength of schedule. Oregon State's that good. It's a different animal. So Oregon State baseball, I think, is going to be fine, although it'll be tricky to put it together. But, you know, it's one of those things that's very rewarding at the end of it because I think Oregon State's going to be able to look back and go, hell, we're like Notre Dame in baseball. I, I just I think there's going to be buyer's remorse if there's not already publicly expressed the minute these athletes have to start getting on planes and the minute their families go, Hell, we can't afford to go and fly to, you know, Rutgers and fly to East Lansing, Michigan, which is might as well be Siberia, and fly. You know, I covered the Big Ten Conference. I do think there's some families that you know who who have kids playing not football at Oregon and Washington in particular. So there's some families who are going to go, man, this is really not ideal. We really thought we were going to get to see our kids play games and travel up and down the Pacific time zone and stay on the West Coast and go to some really cool cities. And, you know, it, I, I do, you know, I've always flown with the football team and the basketball team and I've flown into Phoenix and flown into LA or, you know, gone to Salt Lake City. And I've thought, you know, I've seen parents on the trips and I think to myself, like, how cool is that that they get to go see their kid play? Well, try doing that when your kid's playing Illinois or playing Rutgers or Maryland. Uh, it might be fun once, but uh, through a course of a season, uh, I think it's going to be a real grind. I do think there's going to be some blowback and some, uh, some buyers, some definite buyer's remorse. But, uh, you know, we'll talk about that as this unfolds. So I'm not going to be surprised when football finds leadership 
Chip Kelly, make him the commissioner for crying out loud. But when football finds some leadership, some visionary leadership, maybe it's Greg Sankey of the SEC, and it's somebody who can say, hey, we're going to act in the best interest of football. Clearly, if we took the top 64 teams, we negotiated as a unit of 64, stopped competing against each other, stopped stabbing each other in the back, conference to conference, and we just take the best 64 teams, go out and negotiate a media rights deal. Everybody else is going to have to play in a lower tier. You can form conferences, but it's going to be a lower tier of football. There's going to be you know, Division A, that's 64 teams. All of those teams will play each other. There's enough games to go around. There's still a place in that system for teams to play lower tier competition. You can you can play Portland State. You can go down. You can play some Mountain West traditional Mountain West conference opponents. There's going to be another tier that you could still play those games. But football splits away. It calms everything down. Oregon women's basketball should not be playing in the Big Ten conference. It's ridiculous. They should be playing against Stanford. They should be playing against Cal. Should be playing against Arizona and UCLA. Um, you know, Washington State uh, in in Oregon State as well. And Washington, same thing. UCLA, same thing. UCLA's baseball team should be playing against Oregon State. It shouldn't have to go to the Big Ten and compete. Mark Wazakowski, the Oregon baseball coach, should not have to be going to play Purdue. He should be playing Arizona and in UCLA and USC and. Uh, playing against Oregon State, like the, it just makes too much sense. And so I think that will be unwound, but it's interesting to hear it from Wayne Tinkle. Leave it here. We, we interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.